0: Hello, my beautiful book nerds. We are in our second month of book club, and the response so far has been awesome. The feature book we picked for July is When Stars Are Scattered, an exceptional middle grade novel from Newbery honor-winning Victoria Jameson and Omar Mohamed. It tells Omar's true story of growing up in a refugee camp in Kenya. It's moving, truthful, and a powerful testimony of what it means to be family. And if you haven't picked it up yet, this is the perfect chance. By joining up on Patreon for just $25, you receive one book per month from a title featured on the podcast. Books are hand selected in partnership with BrainLayer Bookstore. They ship anywhere in the US and Canada, shipping is included. And they're also accompanied by a special book club mini podcast episode available to all patrons at this tier, breaking down just what makes this book so special and set apart. You love children's books you love independent bookstores, you love this podcast. Let's combine that all into one awesome piece of mail each month that can be enjoyed over and over for many months to come. Visit matthewcwinner.com and click on Patreon at the top of the page, or use the link in the show notes to access Patreon if you feel like it's a good fit for you and where you're at right now. And if it's not, sharing the podcast with friends over social media, word of mouth, or any other means still goes a long way. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for bringing me and these conversations into your ears and into your day. I love every minute of it.
1: I know it is so interesting, too, how, I mean, I think this moment is going to redefine every aspect of our society, so it'll be interesting to see how
0: Every family is legitimate. Every family is legitimate. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 605. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Seamus Kirst, debut picture book author of Papa, Daddy, and Riley, which is illustrated by Devin Holtzworth. This book, I think, speaks to a question many of our kids ask themselves Is my family right? Is this how families are supposed to look? That question is one no child should ever have to ask, but it can come up as kids form their understanding of the world. We compare, we learn, we try to figure out what's right, what's wrong, or what is just different from our own experience. In the case of this story, a classmate questions Riley, who's dropped off at school by her two dads. The classmate wants to know who is Riley's mom, and the way Riley is confronted causes in her a lot of internal questioning. Quote, but the thing that makes a family a family, as Riley's daddy reminds, is an answer I'll make you wait to hear, and it'll be worth it. Please welcome my guest, Seamus Kirst, author of Papa, Daddy, and Riley.
1: Hi, I am Seamus Kirst. My pronouns are he, him, his, and I am a writer. I've written for several publications, including the New York Times, the Washington Post, Teen Vogue. Um, I often write about politics and entertainment, and LGBTQ issues, and now I'm very excited to be a children's book author of Papa, Daddy, and Riley.
0: Seamus, I'm very excited that you're a children's book author. I love your book. I love the space it makes, not just for Riley's family, but for all families, and for the space it makes, too, for children who are questioning what what it means to have a family that looks different from yours. So before I go too deep into my own thoughts, why don't, if you don't mind, could you introduce the story? Could you give a little book talk for folks that have not yet read Papa, Daddy, and Riley?
1: Yes. So, Papa, well, actually, first of all, thank you for your kind words about the book. I really appreciate it, and I'm very happy to be doing this podcast and talking to you. So Papa, Daddy and Riley is about a young girl named Riley who has two dads. And on the first day of kindergarten, she goes to school. And she's never really questioned that her family looks different from those around her. But as soon as she gets to the classroom, one of her classmates asks her, like, who are those two men? And when she says, those are my dads, the classmate is like, okay, but which one is your real dad and where's your mom? And it kind of sends Riley into this internal questioning of, if she, if that actually is the reality of what a family should look like, and if her family is not the reality of what a family should look like. Um, so she goes on this journey of kind of self-discovery throughout the book, and as you were saying, it kind of takes the reader on a little bit of a journey of thinking about what their own family looks like, and looking at all the families around them, and not to spoil the ending, but kind of coming <laughs> to this conclusion that you know every family looks different even families that on the surface look the same look different once you look closely and everyone's family is equally legitimate and um ultimately what really defines a family is
0: love we we will spoil the heck out of this book because if we weren't if we didn't give the reassurance that you know and in the end Riley finds out you're okay the way your family is, is exactly the way it's meant to be, then I feel like we're doing a disservice to (laughs) to readers and to the heart of the book. And I've got to say, Seamus, that when I was reading this to my students, I know that we've had some interaction over social media. But when I was reading this to my students over Zoom, all of my third grade classes in particular, we were talking about different families. And certainly, they have different families as well. But when we got to the end, where um, I'm gonna read you might if I reads you a little bit. I have a habit of reading to people. No, I'd love that. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna jump to the to the end, so I'll be guilty of the of the spoiling, <laughs> which is I think okay, because this is a moment where I loved to pass off to my students the way that I'm sure you were passing off to your reader. Uh, the text says, uh, Riley says. Olive said families only have one dad, I wailed, but I love having you both. Oh, Riley, said Papa. I don't want to have to choose. Sweet Riley, said Daddy, you don't have to choose. Some families have one parent and some have two. Some families have step parents or aunts or uncles or grandparents. Neither of us gave birth to you, Riley, said Papa, but we carried you in our hearts. We belong together said daddy. And here's where I pass it to my, my students. But what makes a family a family if every family is so different? I asked. And that right there, Seamus, that question right there is worded so beautifully that combined with the illustration, Devin's gorgeous illustrations, it nearly makes me want to cry and the page turn lands it but of course i was asking my children to write in the chat box what makes a family a family if every family is so different and as you shared earlier without hesitation they say love love makes a family a family and um to speak to such a universal truth that love is what makes us i mean in that moment Seamus i'm i'm looking at them saying you're also my family because I love you. You are my students. You are the ones I'm with right now. You're the ones I care about the most in this moment. We are family. It's it's a beautiful, I don't know how else to say it. It's a beautiful space. You've left all of us in this book. And that I don't feel like is easy to accomplish, leaving space for readers. And you did it. And you did it beautifully.
1: Well, thank you. That is so nice to hear. And I also, like, want to give a huge shout out, as you were saying, too, to Devin Holdsworth, who is the illustrator of this book, who, you know, I handed her um, words on a piece of paper and kind of had no idea how, like, the world she was going to create. And I'm just so still blown away by the illustration she drew and all the messages she sends through these illustrations and like these subtleties and just kind of how, when you look at the picture and you start to look at all the different families that she portrays, how it does really reflect that sensation of like when you're a kid and you're looking at the families of people around you or at any stage of life really. And you're looking at the families and you're like, you know, wondering, comparing your family to them and, daydreaming about what their family must be like or whatever. And I think she really helped me to capture that feeling and kind of that journey that a lot of people go on that like lands them to realizing how at home they feel in their own family and like, like why their family is a family.
0: Yeah. I mean, if we talk design from the cover, Devin has, has nearly designed the book cover like, like some sort of family portrait you would hang on a wall, right? It's got that like beautiful leaf design going around, um, each of these portraits of, of daddy and Papa and Riley. I, I think the very next thing you encounter is some of the greatest, most delightful, um, cover or end papers I've seen in my life. I want them all over my wall. They're so beautiful. The pinks and yellows and reds of these flowers and butterflies, and, I know.
1: I really feel like she, she should design wallpaper. Oh, it's so it's pretty. So amazing. <laughs> I would decorate my entire house in it in a heartbeat.
0: And then to walk us into this story, you can see this beautiful marriage between author and illustrator from the outset because you, you're bringing us into school with Riley. And it says, On the first day of school, my parents walked me to my classroom. But the illustration is of. Well, the the primary thing we see is Riley holding two sets of hands, but we don't see who these two sets of hands are. We just intuit that they are her adults. Um But she has a great big smile and is most likely doing the thing that my children have always loved to do, which is swing between our two arms. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the way you introduce her classmates because because of your word choice. You say, my friend's were being dropped off by their families too. Olive was with her mom and dad. Molly was with her mom. Hector was with his grandma. Luke was with his foster mother. And I, I bring that up, having now read your book, I don't know, maybe like eight or ten times. I bring that language up because I find it so powerful that this is not a book about... Let's categories, categorize everybody. Hector has this as a, as a guardian and Luke has this as a guardian and has Molly has this person as a guardian, but rather we just talk about who you're with right now on this day that we walked into class, this is who they were with. And I think that again, that speaks to how our family can change. Our family is who we are with right now. Our families do look different, but they actually also can look different day to day and throughout our life. I don't know why or how you wrote this book. I'm about to get into that with you. But I can tell, Seamus, from the way your text reads, that, that again, this is a book where um, you were making it for a, a whole lot of readers, not just for who you are or who I am or who any one person is. But I can really feel your intent to make sure everyone felt like they had a stake in this space. And that's something that's hard to find and something that I think speaks to the love that you brought to this story.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was something that was really important to me because one of the kind of frames that I came into this whole writing process with for my first children's book is advice. Somebody once gave me about writing children's books, which is to write something that you wish had existed when you were a kid or that you, Want to exist for your kids, and you know. In writing this book, I kind of wanted to accomplish both of those objectives at once. But it was super important to me to write something. In terms of social progress, I think that progress happens when conversations feel kind of open and inclusive. So I wanted something that kind of like made the point I was trying to make, and of course, specifically it is a point, you know, in the forefront, it's like a point about LGBTQ families and her family being legitimate. But then to what you were saying, it's not just that. It's a book about every family being legitimate. And it's a book that I want people who are LGBTQ parents to feel comfortable or happy reading and feel like the message resonates with them. And I want people who have LGBTQ parents to read it and have the message resonate with them. And I want people who have any family makeup to read it and have the message resonate with them. So that was something that was super, super important to me. And um, that's why I'm just like so happy with how it turned out and so happy with Devin's artwork and how the pictures, even beyond the words themselves, like do portray all these different families and different religions and different ethnicities and different makeups as we've been talking about. um, Because that is something that's just... Yeah, I just don't I didn't want it to only be something targeted at like one group of people. I wanted it to be something that literally anyone could read and have the same takeaway and feel like they in some way or another saw themselves within the pages.
0: That that they're okay, that that they're beautiful, their family is beautiful the way they are. It was a long time Seamus until I saw my queerness in a book, a picture book in particular, um, like I would say it was pretty recently and that may have had to do with access to books or may have had to do with what books are being published or may have had to do with um, what books my parents or teachers or adults brought in front of me. What, what, <laughs> if I can ask you, I'm trying to <laughs> be as uh, respectful obviously of your privacy, but also, um, oh, I don't care about privacy. Okay, but also it. giving you the chance to 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 speak truly about um you mentioned that this was a book that you wish you saw as a child. Can you speak more about that? The children's book podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community, Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter WINNER. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores.
1: Yeah, so I just feel like when I think back in my childhood, I don't remember seeing I don't remember reading any books that had LGBTQ characters and this is something I've like talked about with my parents with recently because my mom after reading one of my interviews was like I feel so bad that I didn't like make more of an effort or whatever and I was like okay it was the early 1990s I don't really think there were that many to begin with so I was like I don't think you need to like feel bad I think what's really cool is being a part of like this new not I mean this movement of like a lot of books that represent all types of people and specifically LGBTQ people now where, of course I want to like always give huge shout outs to the writers who were writing about LGBTQ families back then. And of course, like Heather has, um, is always the book that comes to mind, um, as being super groundbreaking and like the people who wrote books like this in the late eighties, early nineties, got like, you know, tons of flack and, um, vitriol and i think one thing that's been really exciting about writing this book is that i honestly was expecting at least a little bit of that and so far i haven't gotten any and i think that speaks to like the progress we've made as a society and that a book like this coming out is exciting but it's not like earth shattering um yeah but you know which it's a is cool really connection. powerful
0: oh, i apologize i'm so sorry i stepped on your. oh no you're there. fine you're fine uh, a thing i come back to with with your publisher with imagination and where they are now is that this is this is the children's book imprint of the apa of the american psychology association and that is the organization that used to say like it was it was like a a a a, a, a clinical what like um it it was uh, uh there was something wrong a with mental you. disorder a mental yeah, disorder a mental there's disorder. the language to be queer and yet where we are, we see now, not not just an about face, but we see an effort, an effort to share a different story, an effort to be inclusive, an effort to you know, to 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 right wrongs, to tell a different story, to help lead the way or show the way or model how these conversations can happen, right?
1: Completely. And that's so powerful, I think. And I totally agree with you that, yeah, like the APA was an organization that did team um, queerness to be a mental disorder. and That is so amazing to see. And I'm not even, I should probably actually look this up after the podcast. I'm not sure when they took that out, but it's so powerful to see now that they are making this like good faith, proactive effort to change that Perception and to change the conversation and open it up, and it is so. I feel so grateful to be able to be a part of that effort that they're undertaking. And actually, I have a total side. Do you care if I bring up a topic that? Oh I my word! Ever... I would love that, please. <laughs> okay, so I actually one thing that was interesting that I didn't think about when writing this um, was, and I got like I was reading. I love to read different r- reviews of my book online and I like to read, you know, anything, any feedback people have. And I read one the other day that wasn't, that was a little bit critical about how in the book, Riley gets upset about her family being questioned because I guess Heather has two mommies. Is it two mommies or two moms? I'm Heather forgetting. has two mommies,
0: but... Leslie and Newman. Yep.
1: Okay, perfect. I was scared. I was, it was two moms. not seeing two mommies but when Heather has two mommies. It was like re-released without her, getting without heather getting upset in the book to kind of like try to cut down on the idea that like queer families are still stigmatized do you know what i mean like kind of reframing it sure and i thought it was interesting because when i read that i was like oh wow i kind of missed that and i got the point the person was saying but then at the same time i also feel like when you're a kid even it's kind of Natural or at any stage in life, honestly, even now, when somebody's not even asking you something maliciously, like in the book, Olive isn't trying to attack Riley by asking who the two men are or saying that she needs mom that's just like what she thinks is true, and so she's at the same time processing different families as Riley is. Um, so I thought that was like kind of an interesting bit of feedback to receive because at first I was like, Oh, did I write this wrong? but then the more I thought about it, I was like. I think one of the messages that I kind of stand by is that sometimes people ask us questions that they're just curious, but might still make us like feel incredibly upset or make us doubt ourselves or like doubt our family or feel insecure. Um, And that I think it's kind of an important tool set for us all to be able to like process that and understand that like feeling upset is okay. And also like recognizing that somebody else might not have meant it in that way. Uh, meant to upset us. I don't know. Like I feel like it's interesting to read that critical feedback and then kind of have to process that myself.
0: I think that, if you don't mind me directly inserting myself onto those thoughts... No, I'd love for you (laughs) too. I think that, especially in LGBTQ stories, something as a reviewer, um, as well as, as a teacher, I'm very... Aware of as I read to my children, as I share stories, is to make sure that I'm communicating that no story is a monolith for what it means to be an LGBTQ, LGBTQ individual or parent or or couple or whatever. And similarly, there's no one way to react to your family. I mean, do we do we think that? having um being questioned for your your parents both being dads i mean um the the exchange goes like this because it's it's great for folks to hear um riley says hi olive hi riley who are they those are my dads you have two but which one is your dad dad and where's your mom they're both my dads i answer my belly mommy doesn't live with us one mom and one dad make a baby and that makes a family said olive So which dad is the real dad? I think that what we're, or how how I read this, is Olive reciting what she has heard from her parents. Which doesn't mean that her parents are are for or against or whatever Um, same gender um, couples or anything like that. It just means that children listen to what adults say, so we need to be thoughtful about how we say them. And we're Mm -hmm. continuing to talk to children about how we say things. And the fact that Devin has illustrated Olive's face, not with like crinkled eyebrows and being critical, but rather just asking. But yet we really see Riley take this on, I think is an important one because children are going to see Riley taking that question on. And they're going to think about, I have parents that are, much older than other parents from my classmates or are much younger or are i have one parent or i have um a parent that's away um or that has passed away or that any any number of circumstances and i think it's okay to ask yourself am i okay for being the way that i am I think that that's a natural thing because we need to be able to hear the answer to that question too. If we don't ask it, we'll never hear the answer.
1: Right. And one thing that I was thinking about too, when you were talking about that, and this is almost like a little bit mad at that, but also for somebody like an olive parallel in real life, who's wondering that even beyond like hearing what her parents are saying, she also could watch TV where most families are presented. I mean, it's getting better, but still, most families are presented in like a traditional way or the books on her bookshelf where most families have a mom and a dad, et cetera. So I think it is super, that was something that was like, I guess, kind of interesting for me to just think about when you were just responding to my um, kind of question about that reaction that I received as well.
0: Seamus, I wonder too, um, again, I don't, I don't know you personally, so I don't know, what your family looks like being the adults that brought you into this world um, or what relationships you're in now or if you have kids or not. But I wonder, I feel like we are always writing either, as you said, for our future or or from our past or a little bit of both. So I wonder if, if part of this book is also a, a reflection on the, the sort of parent you hope to be, or maybe that you are, is that, is that too forward to ask that? No, definitely. I'm definitely,
1: I'm not a parent currently. Um, but I, I plan to be hopefully fairly, you know, maybe in like the next five years or something, I'm 29 right now. So I'm kind of giving myself a like 35 <laughs> parenting goal. Um, but yeah. And then so like my fam, so definitely, I think this was like in a sense kind of, a projection of how of conversations I anticipate having with my child and how I would want to respond to that and um, then also my family growing up um, I grew up with a mom and a dad but I did have like a different family from a lot of my friends and that my sister is adopted and she was adopted like right from the time she was born but I, we had one of these situations where my parents have been trying forever to get pregnant and it wasn't happening. And then they, um, decided to adopt and, uh, met my sister's birth parents. And then as soon as that process started, they were able to get pregnant. So my sister and I are five months apart. Oh, cool! So we still had like a different sort of conversation growing up where people were always really confused how we were five months apart. So we kind of have to have this sort of conversation. And I'm sure in that situation, I think sometimes my sister felt uncomfortable because she felt like she was being kind of in a way othered by people who were confused by our family arrangement as well. well. So I think some of...
0: Why? Why? Why do people need to know? Why do you feel... And this is not you, you, but why have to justify? It's the way our world works, unfortunately, but why... Who cares that you and your sister are five months apart? That's what your family looks like, right? I I can feel for you, though, having to explain. Well how are you sisters if, or how are you uh, siblings? If, if only this short amount apart, again, it's not unlike, um, is that who's your, who's your, uh, dad, dad, or however Olive asks it.
1: Right. No, totally. Yeah. I feel like that was like kind of where some of the, I guess, um, I don't know if like empathies are yeah, like kind of why I felt empathetic toward Riley as a character because I like saw, and I, I how both my sister and I answered those questions. But I do feel like in those scenarios, I'm giving more kudos to my sister because she was the one who like, it made, um, felt more like, I think othered by the way people would question it. So mm. I think some of the like response, um, some of the reaction from Riley. And then I think some of the empathy from the parents was also coming from that experience. Like seeing how those sorts of questions made my sister feel and how my parents responded to them.
0: Well, well, Seamus, I like the way, I love the way that this book speaks to adults and kids. Because I think that keeping both audiences in mind at the same time while you're writing a story is, is, is challenging. But the way that you model for children that it's okay for you to question and to wrestle and to talk to adults about it. But you also model for adults to talk about, to talk about those connections too. I love how she sees each of her dads in the things she likes to do, and the the ways that she looks, um, and and that each of those dads um, gives her the space to to feel those emotions, and and to know that that they're going to be there.
1: Yeah, no, that was, I mean, I think, thank you again for all the kind of the book, I really appreciate it, but I think that was something that was super important to me was, I don't know, I think one word that I never really had heard that much before until starting to move into the children's writing space is, like, didactic, and um, kind of this idea of, like, not wanting to overly hit anyone over the head with a message you're trying to make so I feel like that was one thing I was like trying to navigate was like being able to speak to parents and adults while clearly having a message I was trying to make while kind of trying to present it in like a fun and or like you know emotional way that resonated with people um so that was definitely a challenge to do and to like speak to people of all ages at once so I guess it just I'm happy to hear that um, you felt that that
0: worked. It landed. I think given your background, (laughs) I've I've read your uh, sort of your your bio on social media or or wherever about the different places you've written for. And to hear all of that (laughs) as a children's librarian makes me think, yeah, but what about the kids? (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. to read this book and to hear that, 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 that you know how to speak to kids, Seamus. And I'm sure that it didn't come... Th- I'm sure that this book is not your first draft, is what I'm trying to say. I'm not naive. But um, the path you went on to bring the manuscript to what it is now, uh, to connect with um, imagination and how they, with this illustrator they brought on, Devin Holdsworth, um, brought the book to what we have in our hands, is a really powerful thing. And I hope that... Um, you keep following that compass and, and feel compelled to write more books for children, because I think that, that what you give us is a gift. Thanks for that.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah. And I would, I really hope to be able to keep writing books for children. Um, trying to work on some more now and, you know, right now in so many ways is a scary time, but as a writer, I'm trying to like, will myself to use the time at home to, right so
0: it's it it is it is a weird time but i will say as a librarian that it is also a blessing to know that books are still coming out and that people are still writing books i i think that when you're in your house and when it feels like the 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 city the country the world has shut down it's hard to think that there's any production being made at all but there is and i think that we're always looking for hope in children's books. We're looking to respect readers and we're looking to give hope. And um, I think that that reminder that the stories are still coming out and that really quite profoundly um, the stories coming out, I've found speak to children and families and, and our time in, in really wondrous ways. So uh, again, I'm grateful Seamus, that that you had time to put aside to talk to me today. Uh, But more importantly, that you had time to sit and to tell Riley's story and then to come and tell a little bit of your own as well with me. Thank you for that.
1: Well, yeah, thank you so much for having me on and for all the work you do. It's super important, and I appreciate being able to be a part of it.
0: Well, let me do the very best thing I can, and that is to put you and your words in front of children. So we'll end this way. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you?
1: Yeah, so I guess the advice, or not advice, what I would say to them is that what we talked about earlier, what defines a family ultimately is love, and that every person and every family is as legitimate and as real as the other families around us and that once you start to look around you notice that every family is different and unique and special and that's one of the most beautiful parts of life
0: the children's book podcast is recorded and produced by me matthew winner in my library studio in ellicott city maryland you can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 600 episodes at matthewcwinner.com Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and don't reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Become a patron, and you can directly impact and help to sustain the podcast. Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, Word of mouth or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that is a very good thing indeed.